This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 15. Coming up, we discuss the differences between stress, anxiety, and other diagnosable conditions, as well as some screening options. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being just by making some small changes, turning those into habits. As we heard from Dr. DeFranco, who's with us today, just do something for three weeks and it becomes a good habit, maybe. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica. Each week, we sit down with a certified health expert from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, and we look at uh, things like nutrition, well-being, stress reduction. In this episode, we're talking about stress. And, you know, we've been doing that for the past couple with Dr. Dwayne DeFranco. He's board-certified psychiatrist, currently senior medical director at Blue Care Network of Michigan. He's a graduate of uh, University of Notre Dame, attended uh, U of M, and he's got so many other things. He does uh, a psychiatrist among them. And uh, I tell you what, I am learning so much. I'm making notes. And let me encourage everybody, if you are missing any of this, this is uh, episode 15. You can go back at healthiermichigan.org slash podcast. We'll have other materials posted there. You can go back and listen to other episodes. Good to have you back. Thank you, Chuck. Good to be back. I'm glad my doctor is with me. I'm, I'm here for you. Okay, good. You know, I only got through half a <laughs> semester of pre-med, so I'm only allowed to operate with a spork. That's so, <laughs> you know, I didn't pass all the all the classes. You'd be surprised what you can do with a sport. Well, with five kids, you know, I had to learn fast. Uh, so let's talk about this idea. As we're looking at stress, you've taught us about good stress, bad stress. What are some of the things that we can start to think about when this isn't just, and I don't mean to diminish it, a daily stressor and our reaction to it, the boss at work, we've used that example, you know, something happens on with the kids, we can get past them. What if we need to start thinking about something that's becoming more serious? Yep. Yeah. You're right. Of course, by more serious, I think, you know, the things that uh, folks will think about and that I would uh, ask them to think about are major depression, Mm -hmm. diagnosable depressive illness, generalized anxiety, uh, phobic disorders, panic attacks, panic disorder. So we need to watch out for these things. Um, But the good news is that these things are very treatable as is stress itself. So unfortunately in our society still today, I I think in some ways it's gotten better, but there's a horrible and unfair stigma against diseases of the brain that affect our thoughts, our feelings, and Mm -hmm. our behavior. And that's what these disorders are. You know, if I have a problem with the beta cells in my pancreas, they don't produce as much insulin as they should. It causes my blood sugars to go out of whack. Why? Because that's what those cells are there to do. They're not working right. And I have diabetes. That's really not any different than I've got cells in my brain that are there to send electrical impulses to one another and tracks and circuits that are there to work with each other to produce the thoughts and feelings that I have. And if they're not functioning the way that they ought to, then because that's what they do, that's what gets negatively affected. My thoughts, my feelings aren't what they would be otherwise. And we call that disease major depression. So uh, the word needs to get out that these problems are biological. They're very common. Did you know that 50% fully 50%, according to some of the most recent research, of U.S. citizens 
and it's not just U.S. I mean, these are ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. 50% of us will at some point in their life have a diagnosable mental health condition. And you know, in America, so let's just talk about America. You know this, this is a broad brush, but we want to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I don't need a professional or there's the, uh, hey, snap out of it. You're just going through a lull. You know, it's just a little down. It's just a bad day. You'll be fine. Well, and depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, they produce exaggerated responses of things that are otherwise normal. And so it makes sense that people might say, you know, just Mm -hmm. snap out of it. Just snap out of it, you know, isn't necessarily a terribly inappropriate response if someone does not have the disorder. But the question is, how do you know? Yeah. And the answer to that question is, well, you get diagnosed. I mean, you wouldn't think of diagnosing your own diabetes or or, right. or high blood pressure without going to a professional. Mm-hmm. So just go to your primary care doc if you have questions. Mm-hmm. There are some screening tools available online that people can use if they're wondering, you know, maybe this is more than just stress. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's depression. If it is, you should find out because there's other treatment other than the relaxation techniques that we're going to do in future podcasts. Some of the positive psychology things that Mm -hmm. I want to tell you about today. Okay, Those things will be helpful whether or not you have a major illness. But of course, there are other treatments, more dedicated psychotherapies, some medications that can be helpful if you do. So there's a couple of screening tools. Is it okay if I mention them? Sure, go ahead. And then we can always post them on our website. Perfect. So, you know, the two most common disorders are depression and, well, actually, Depression and simple phobia and social phobia are the three most common, but usually the one that relates most closely with stress is a generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. So the screen for depression is called the PHQ-9, and there's an online version of it at www.patient.info slash doctor slash patient dash health dash questionnaire dash PHQ dash nine. That's a little bit long. We we'll post to, it. Yeah. We'll post it on the website. We need to rewind on episode 15. Yeah. Well, and of course the problem is if you, if you Google PHQ nine, you're going to get all sorts yeah. of things that won't be necessarily helpful to you. This is one you can fill out. It gives you a score. It interprets the score uh, mm-hmm. for you. And again, you should not use it to diagnose yourself, but unless you're scoring normal, like five points or lower, you might want to talk to your PCP and, and see if uh, something more can't be done for anxiety the URL is a little shorter and there's lots of these screening instruments out there. I'm not, you know, they're all good, but I like the Zung self-rating anxiety scale. Zung is Z-U-N-G and that's at psychology-tools.com slash Zung, Z-U-N-G dash anxiety dash scale. Okay. The other condition that we really would be remiss in if we failed to mention, is alcohol use disorder. Mm -hmm. So even casual, normal, non-problematic alcohol use can worsen my stress response. People should be aware of that. But people often ask, well, how much drinking is too much drinking? And there's a simple rule of thumb that actually turns out to work pretty well in terms of uh, deciding for yourself or for a loved one whether or not their alcohol use may be more seriously problematic. Mm-hmm. And it's the rule of 3-4-12. It goes like this. For women, any drinks more than three in a 
sitting. For men, any drinks more than four in a sitting, and I'll define what a drink is in okay. a minute. Or for anyone, male or female, more than 12 drinks in a week. Gotcha. Is kind of a, a threshold where maybe you need to worry. A drink is an ounce of 80 proof distilled liquor. Okay. Or five ounces of wine or 12 ounces of beer. And isn't this one of those circles that you were talking about? Not only can you have a disorder that's related to drinking too much alcohol, but you often, maybe I'm going back far in my memory, you would hear people relate to somebody, not to their face. That's a sad drunk. You tend to find people that seem to have depression. That oh, yes. We always think, well, that led to them becoming alcoholic. And what you're showing us is that this may start from a different end of the circle, right? Well, it, it, it's is there often, an end to a circle, it's, sir? It's usually well. That's the point. There isn't, <laughs> yeah. and that's quite accurate. It's a chicken and an egg thing. Yeah. And these things feed off of one another, right? So much of our normal stress response is that way, and so much of these uh, disorders is that way. Alcohol leads to depression. Depression leads to alcohol, and yeah. you're off to the races. So you, you've also given us some uh, great points to think about here relative to things that we could actually attack and change. One of them would be diet, another exercise, sleep. So let's tackle each of those because if I look at diet in a broad sense, how much alcohol I'm drinking or how much vitamin D milk I'm drinking if I'm on a diet could both impact how I'm feeling or not losing weight and how I'm depressed or I have anxiety. Explain this idea of attacking some of these things that I would call more physical. Yep. So in a regular healthy diet, regular exercise, at least three times a week, a half hour, getting your heart rate mm -hmm. up and sleep. We don't sleep enough as Americans anymore. Sleep impacts blood pressure, our performance at work, our susceptibility to depression, and of course, makes it much more difficult to handle stressful events. So just to mention a little bit on each of those, you know, regular meals, eliminating the unhealthy fats. Mm -hmm. What are unhealthy fats? They're fats that are solid at room temperature, just a rule of thumb. Yeah. You know, so animal fat fits into that category. Not to get off on this um, tangent, but there's interesting information coming out about uh, moving more towards a vegan diet and what that can do for reducing diabetes and heart disease mm -hmm. uh, and even maybe Alzheimer's and stuff. So a regular healthy diet, exercise, like I say, at least a half hour, three times a week, regular exercise. It's a bit of a slow effect. It's not like I exercise and then I feel great necessarily. That can happen too, and mm -hmm. it usually does. Mm -hmm. But again, talking about those habits, if I'm exercising regularly for a period of weeks and I stop and think about it, then I'll know and I'll realize I'm feeling much more energetic much less stressful than I was a while ago. And I'm more productive. So people always say, you're telling me to diet. You're telling me to exercise. You're telling me I, I, I need to sleep less. How can I do that? My job keeps me up. I don't have time to exercise. Mm -hmm. But what people might find is that an investment in exercise and getting to bed a little early pays dividends because you're so much more productive during your productive hours 
that it's actually a very decent trade. That's a great way to look at it as an investment. If you're saving in your 401k or an IRA for the future and you're not saving some time, I learned a great trick from a doctor buddy of mine when he said to me, when you're eating something, he uses the phrase calorie density. If you hold up an apple that has 90 calories and hold up two Thin Mints, and the size of what's going to fill your gut with that apple and all the benefits of the fiber and the water versus two little cookies. He said, which one should you have? We know intellectually, but until you look at the size difference, you go, oh my gosh, that apple would really fill me up if I needed a snack versus a little bag of chips. And it's it's just been an easy trick for me me to use my entire life every time I look at what I'm going to gobble. Great point. And we should be using technology too. So a lot of us carry around or wear these personal devices that track your steps and that Fitbits, et cetera, not to endorse one or another over their competitors, but, you know, and then the apps and, you know, budgeting is so important for our finance. We talked in the last episode about budgeting our time, budgeting our calories, Yeah, you know, so it really helps because it's not so much, I can't have that cookie. It's, I don't want to have that cookie because I want to have a little bit of a bigger steak for dinner. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's balance. It's keeping things in balance. And, you know, my, my whole career, I was in a weird schedule. I would go to bed yeah. late, maybe one o'clock in the morning by the time I got home from late news and then sometimes do morning radio. Difficult. My, my sleep was cut off. And then my wife, God loves Susan that she put up with this. She said, you know, you're snoring. Well, I never hear it. I said, no, I'm no, not. Yeah, she you're said, you're oh, unconscious. And now you're, you're not even catching your breath. So I, I'll just tell you, I got a CPAP. It's like night and day. It's like I'm breathing oxygen. Right. And so it's just something that if you deal with these things little bits at a time, and as you've pointed out a couple of times, make it a habit. Just get in the groove of doing this. Use an app on your phone. If you just get in the habit, it's easy. There's a couple of other very simple habits that people can get into that are very powerful. Okay, I'm ready. And very brief. Mm -hmm. They come from the field of positive psychology. All right. Now, when I did my training about 150 years ago... (laughs) Positive psychology was kind of this new thing that, oh, we sort of poo-poo. PMA, positive mental attitude. Yeah, right. You you know, you mock what you don't understand. Well, in in my own defense, there wasn't a lot of research behind it at the time. There is now. And there's something to it. And it's not just, you know, giving yourselves positive messages and that. That was helpful. Go ahead, do that. It's not going to hurt. No, these are simple pen and paper exercises that if you just invest Two minutes a day. Now, you'd have to be pretty doggone busy to tell me you didn't mm-hmm. have time for two minutes a day. And make a habit out of these things. Research proves that they can begin to bring your heart rate down, begin to bring your level of optimism up, and reduce your stress All right, what response. do I do? What do I, I'll give you a minute and a half or two. These, these are not going to be surprising to you. Okay. One, and you got to write it down. Okay. You, you can't just think about it. You've right. got to write it down. I'm ready. It's like magic. Number one, mm-hmm. write down three things that happened to you in the last 24 hours that you're grateful for. We talked about this with Cindy in previous episodes too. And so this is a recurring theme. Yep. Yeah. Because it's so powerful and simple, you know, not vague things like, well, I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my job. No. And, th- and they don't have to be big, important things mm-hmm. either. I'm mm-hmm. thankful I've, I had a good parking space this morning, Yeah. you know. Number two, and by the way, you don't have to do all of these things. Just even doing one of them a day is all it takes. Take your pick. 
in writing, write down a meaningful experience that occurred to you. Take two minutes, a paragraph or two, describe a meaningful experience that happened to you, again, within the last 24 hours. Not, okay. Not something from the way past, not something vague, mm-hmm. something very mm-hmm. specific. And number three, this is a great one because it, you're doing more than just helping yourself. Send an email or a quick note in the mail thanking someone in your social circle, could be at work, could be at home, thanking them for something they've done recently, something specific, mm-hmm. not thank you for being there for me, thank you for being so pleasant, yeah. but thank you for the compliment you paid me yesterday afternoon. It really helped. Just so something when I'm like thinking that. of somebody else, I'm getting a benefit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And research proves it helping others. And this isn't just for, you know, decreasing stress. These things can be helpful in addition to the other treatments that are available to them for depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, et cetera. When we help others, our mood goes up. No question. So let's say I'm attacking some of these physical things, diet, exercise, I'm sleeping better, and now I'm journaling and maybe I'm making my lists of you know, things that I'm thankful and grateful for. There could still come a time, whether I've taken the online test or not, and we'll put those links again online, where I really feel I need to go seek professional help. I need someone on my team to help me, a psychiatrist, my primary care physician. Is there something we can know when we're crossing those lines so we've gotten past self-screening? We can't really treat ourselves with prescribable drugs, et cetera. The self-screening is just one tool. I mean, the bottom line is diagnosing these conditions is the job for the professional. Mm -hmm. If the question has entered your mind, go and talk to your primary care doc about it. And this doesn't mean you're going to be on some pill for the rest of your life or something. I mean, people have these preconceived notions that... Right. No, it's not like you go in and you complain and and he's going to assume that that's the case. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think that's true. If you're someone who's prone to worrying about yourself, and this is just another manifestation of that, you've probably already learned to trust the people around you who love you in their opinion, you know? Yeah. So talk to them. Do you think I might have, uh, you know, depression. Uh, so-and-so or my brother is, uh, you know, on medication. It seemed to help him. And that's another clue too, because depression and anxiety, these are very much biological illnesses. Every bit as much biological as heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, all of which have environmental antecedents and causes as does depression and anxiety, but they're very biological. And mm-hmm. so uh, if your sibling, your your uh, parent has had the problem and has been helped through treatment, um, maybe it'll help you too. Good suggestions, good advice. Dr. Dwayne DeFranco with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show or if you want some of those links that Dr. DeFranco was reading for you, you can always go back and find this episode and all the rest that are posted here. Here comes a healthiermichigan.org slash podcast. We will also put some links there for some of these things that you can reach out to online uh, that may be able to help you. You can also leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, you get new episodes on your smartphone or your tablet. And don't forget the rewind. If you you want to listen to something over and over again, it's okay to do that. We don't track you, by the way. We just think it's okay for you to do it. Uh, if this is a favorite podcast, 
make sure that you let people know about it as well. You can join us next week. We're going to talk about something else that you can do and you can practice. How about relaxation techniques to bring down your stress level? Cool stuff. See you next time.